0: Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the word with us. Today, I believe that you're not here by accident. You've heard me say that a lot. I think that God has a word for each of us if we're ready to receive it. So... uh I have been, as our staff will know, I have been contemplating, I've been praying about, and I've been wanting to preach today's message for weeks. And God released me this week to do this exact message, and it, I believe, is for this time today. Church, we have an enemy. We have an enemy, but we also have a hero A commander, if you will, someone who we can submit to and we can fight and we can war evil on the right side with. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Now, we always need to know as God's people that there's an enemy, but I want you to also know that he is able to stay defeated in your life. And I think a lot of times we just talk about the enemy like we don't have any hope, but I want you to know that you always have access to your commander-in-chief. The king of kings, our hero, he paid for our victory, and we've got people living in defeat when your victory's been paid for. Why well, live in defeat when your victory's been paid for? I I, I will preach that my whole life because I... I used to live defeated every time I turned the corner, and I just not, I'm not living there. I've been paid, I've been bought, I have a right standing, and because of that, I can live in victory regardless of what your mind, will, and emotions are telling you. Now, we have access to a plan, which is the battle plan, if you will, against the enemy, and that access is given to God's people through an avenue that we've been talking about all year, and that's called faith. And you have to acknowledge that to stay on the victorious side of life, you've got to implement faith. It's got to be there. The Bible says stay strong in your faith. Right there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, stay strong in your faith. That, that tells me that you can be weak in your faith. See, if it tells you to be strong in your faith, then that means there are some that are not and you have a role in this, you stay strong in your faith. Well, God, I'm just needing you. And he's saying, I'm needing you. I've done everything that you're in need of is already paid for. Now, how you access that is to stay strong in your faith. Stay strong in your faith. Don't get weak in your faith. And we've talked about this a lot of times this year. But what comes out of your mouth reveals whether you're strong in your faith or you're weak in your faith. It's a real thermometer for us. What what is a real sign of strength or weakness in the area of faith is your voice. If you're in faith, your voice does certain things. And if you're in unbelief, your voice does certain things. Faith puts you on God's side. It puts you on your hero's side. It puts you on the victorious side. Unbelief leaves you with the enemy having an advantage. I don't think anybody say, well, I'm just on the devil's side, and they've given their heart life to Jesus. But what you don't understand is, when your faith isn't strong, you're giving advantage to someone who wants to be a roaring lion, but he's just like one. But he's only like one to those that are weak in faith. Those that are strong in faith, he has no chance. So I want to encourage you today. Today's message is, how you can get strong in faith and not live weak because there is an enemy and he's like a roaring lion for those that are weak in faith. But if you're strong in your faith, he's like a little pussycat who's lost all his teeth and has been declawed. Faith is a condition of your heart and faith comes out of your heart. Unbelief is a condition of your heart and it comes out of your heart. I have mentioned this several times, and that's why your heart has to be guarded at all times. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course or the path of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Avoid perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. Perverse talk is deceitful talk. and In some translations, it says misleading talk, if you're misled, then you're going to get off the path that you are being led on. So your talk can get you off path. It can get you off course. Just your talk can get you off course. And you need to know that. Avoid misleading talk. Avoid corrupt talk. And, and, and those talking points, if you will, and now in the news media you hear this, what are the talking points today? They're all leading you on some path. You need to make sure if you're considering talking points in any area of your life that you make sure it's not corrupt and it lines up with the word. That's why you got to be very careful watching the news because watching the news is full of a lot of perverse or corrupt talk. If you can avoid perverse talk or corrupt talk coming out of your mouth and you can avoid it being put into your ears, then you can know that the course of your life can have a different outcome. See, the course can take you somewhere, your path, where you're headed, where you're being led. But all this comes from a guarded heart. Only by guarding what is allowed in there, if you don't guard your heart, it starts heading down a direction that's ultimately going to destroy You and that's what the enemy wants. See, we have an enemy and he wants you to Everybody got that? That's kind of the introduction. And I got to make sure that we understand that before I get into all that God has laid on my my, my heart today to share or laid on my spirit man in my heart to share. Here's what you got to know. If you listen to yourself talk or you listen to others talk, you can know this. Faith has a voice. I love that we do live in the United States of America and we celebrate Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is the voice of faith. If you'll listen to people talk and when they're thankful, when they're gracious, when they're praising, when they're honoring God, all of those things are based on a voice that comes from a heart of faith. It's a good thing. But there is also a voice of unbelief. And the voice of unbelief is what I want to talk a little bit about today, and then we'll always be referring back to being thankful. But everybody knows what thankfulness is, but we don't understand the results of following a voice of unbelief. And a voice of unbelief is signified by murmuring and complaining. Now that's King James Bible, uh, but I just like the way that says that, murmuring and complaining. And that's the title of my message today. So I thought I would use a King James reference with emojis. Actually, Jill did, and I think that's awesome because we see these little things in all of our lives. You can know what someone's attitude towards something is, especially when you can't hear their voice, you can see it spoke through a little emoji. And I'm watching your faces today, and I'm going to see which emoji you are. Are you grateful to be here, or are you just like, hurry up, I've got lunch plans? or I'm going back in the woods. title of my message is Murmuring and Complaining. When you're believing that everything is terrible and you find yourself complaining, you hear others, you're hearing unbelief, here's what you know, you're not hearing faith. You're just not. It's not happening. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Your mouth, whatever comes out of your mouth, is determined by what's in your heart, what is in your heart. And if you don't guard your heart, then you're not really going to be able to contain what comes out of your mouth. And when you got people murmuring and complaining all the time, you can know that they're not guarding their heart." It's just not happening. We've got to learn to overcome murmuring and complaining so that we can live by faith. And by living a faith-filled life, then you put yourself on the path of your hero, your commander. Are are you following this? I mean, it's just, it it seems like, well, I I know all that. I know, but then why do we have Christians murmuring and complaining? You, You can't not see it. I just want to talk about some problems that arise today from murmuring and complaining. Because the more I studied this, the more I was like blown away that I, 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 I deal with this. And I, I try to be positive, but then all of a sudden I'll be like, I'm murmuring and complaining here. And Michelle and I were just, a couple of weeks ago, we're just driving in the car and we're talking about things. And next thing you know, we're like, we, we got to be careful, <laughs> that we don't start living a life of murmuring and complaining. And we didn't say that, but we don't want to get negative. We, we don't want to get to a place where everything we look at, we're looking at like, well, that's just doomed for failure. Their family's just destroyed. That's not going to work for them. What I can realize consequences in life... And I can realize those and, and I can base them on a heart of what I see right now in flesh or I can base it on a promise of God. And when it comes out of my mouth of failure and destruction and horrible things that are going on, you can know I'm only looking at things from a flesh standpoint. Philippians 2 verse 12. A lot of us don't realize the consequences of murmuring and complaining. And God has just revealed some of this to me. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, I like being called beloved, as you always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, uh, this verse used to kind of freak me out. Uh, Work out your own salvation. Well, I thought Jesus worked it all out for me. On the cross. Well, he did, but your part of being able to live the victorious life, which is saved from the effects of what this life wants to throw at you and what your enemy wants to destroy you with, is all based on your reverential fear of God. That's not a demonic fear. You need to understand the difference. That's an awe, an holy, reverential fear. It takes fear and trembling to work out my salvation. That means being very aware, being having a God conscience. And, and, and here's, what, here's what you got to know. If it takes fear and trembling for me to work out mine, work out my own salvation, what makes me think I can work yours out for you? That's some peace for somebody. Because you're trying to work out everybody's salvation in your life, and what you've got to know is you're responsible for you and working out your own salvation. As much as I take responsibility for what God gives me to deliver, you'll have to take responsibility on what you want to receive. Much of the murmuring and complaining that goes on in the hearts and lives of people is people judging other people's hearts. Happens all the time. Judging other people's lives. Judging other people's motives. Murmuring and complaining and criticizing everyone. Here's what we're doing. We're judging the law of love instead of being a doer of the law of love. Now, this, this isn't a seeker-friendly message. This is a message directly from God out of his word. And I want to explain some of this. See, you, you've got to be careful when you murmur and complain that you don't become a judge of the law. Because when you do that, you actually end up placing judgment on yourself. We are living in a crooked and perverse world. It's kind of crazy. And we are to be what the Bible says is shining lights And one of the ways you are marked as a New Testament Christian is you're doing all things without murmuring and complaining, or murmuring murmuring and arguing, or complaining and arguing. And we find ourselves complaining about everything as God's people. And if we're marked as a New Testament Christian based on ones that are not murmuring and complaining, then what hope is the path for righteousness and goodness and God's kingdom being expanded when all of God's people are murmuring and complaining? Lot to talk about here. Faith speaks. It cannot stay quiet. Faith, when you're in faith, you can't stay quiet about it. You're operating in thanksgiving, you're operating in worship, you're operating in praise. There will be a thankful heart regardless of what mountain you're in, what, what you're facing right now, what storm is in your life. When you're operating in thanksgiving and praise, you're operating in faith. Now, you'll not allow mountains in your life to have a voice, but so many give voice to whatever the mountain is. I've got this mountain right in front of me. The Bible says, speak to the mountain. And when you're speaking to the mountain, you're speaking with a voice of faith. If you start speaking with a voice of unbelief, it's because the mountain has been speaking to you. See, it it just happens in the life of Christians all the time. You fill your heart with the promises of God and you know what to say, then you start speaking in faith. In, in gratefulness, and, and this Thanksgiving takes on a whole new meaning to, to the complaining about everybody's coming to your house. If you're finding yourself murmuring and complaining, here's what I want you to know. This is a real easy message. Just repent and quit. God, forgive me, and I'm not doing this no more. God is going to reveal some areas, I promise you, because when I was preparing this message, it was all over me, just little areas where I'm like, okay, I've been complaining here. Okay, God, I can't even preach this message, and the enemy's trying to say, you're not good enough. Nobody's good enough because we're all tempted to murmur and complain. But it's the revelation that the Holy Spirit will give you as the word starts being preached that all of a sudden makes you go, i got to quit doing that in this area. I pray that today's message will equip you to get on a path that's going to lead you to victory and the kingdom of God to advance. That's my heart. John 7, verse 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Living water coming from your heart. living That's a heart of faith. Come on, you can just read that and know. Living water coming out of a heart is going to be something that's pure, it's good, it's not murmuring and complaining. It's going somewhere in your life. When murmuring and complaining are coming out of you, here's what it is. It's a pollution in the river. And that pollution, as it continues to darken that river, it darkens every other river that's supposed to be flowing in your life. See, there's a flow going on in the life of a Christian. And that flow should be a pure, clear water that stays and continues and is always there. Here's what you can know. If it becomes unclean and impure Then it starts deteriorating. It starts dying. It's not good for anyone to drink, and it doesn't produce in your own life. People get in a rut, they they just do, and they start complaining. They they just, they get in this unbelief of anything good even being able to come out of my life. There's just, come on, everybody knows someone like that and maybe you're it. But I, I just, nothing good comes out of my life. Everything I, everything I touch just seems to get destroyed. Nothing works. I don't understand. It, and it it starts coming out of your mouth. The mountain's been talking to you. And now you're talking like the mountain. And that river starts Defiling other streams in your life. I've, I've just watched it happen. Your spirit has nothing but Christ coming out of it. And when you're operating in praise and thanksgiving, then you can know that the flow is coming from the kingdom of God and the water is pure and clear. It's not full of murmuring and complaining. But when we get where things are starting to get unclear, it pollutes everything. A little bit of impurity impurifies everything. I mean, it doesn't work. And life starts getting miserable and you're like, what's going on? You're dying. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. That devour comes a lot of times as a result of you not watching your mouth. I'll just give you an example here. When you're murmuring and complaining about your spouse, yeah, murmuring and complaining about your spouse, you're just not seeing anything good in this area or that area or whatever. Let me give you a Bible verse, Proverbs 18, verse 22, it says, he who finds a, a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I can tell you I got a lot of things that I have to fight murmuring and complaining with my spouse, and I promise you she does. And we have to fight that because the Bible says that I found a good thing when I found a wife. And if I start complaining, what I'm really doing is saying I just didn't have very good judgment. So when you start complaining, really the fact is, that has nothing to do with them. It has all to do with you. And if you're wanting favor from the Lord, yet you're not admitting that you have found a good thing, you just remove the favor. Boy, I read these verses. Children are a gift from the Lord. Come on, we can just keep going here. Children are a gift from the Lord, except for my kids. You know, you've never dealt with what I have to deal with. I've heard that a million times from parents. You just don't understand. Yep. I'm not understand i Are you really going to complain and murmur about your own kids? Yep, I am. That's what I do. And before long, that murmuring and complaining transfers over to them, and they don't find any favor. They don't find any life. They don't see that they're an inheritance from God. And we're not lining this up with Scripture. And before long, we're going, what's going on? See, why don't we thank you, God, for my kids? Thank you, God, that they're a gift from you. I know that they are because your word says it. And I'm going to raise up a generation that's going to be blessed. And in Psalm 127, God, I know that you said that they're going to possess the gates of their enemies and my enemies too. See, I'm raising up a generation that's not going to have to just fight their own enemies. They're going to fight mine for me. And I start getting excited about the gift boy, you just don't understand my kids. What are you doing? Murmuring and complaining. At what point are you like, wait a minute here. Children are a gift from the Lord. And they've been entrusted to me to raise up, and I'm going to be blessed by having them and they're gonna call me blessed because of what they're doing. So we got to watch what we're saying. They'll, they, they, it's not that there's never gonna be a problem, but come on, are you gonna face life in faith or in unbelief? Thank God for the thermometer on our heart, our mouth. See, our mouth is a thermometer. You might realize today, I've got to quit murmuring in this area because this is an area of unbelief in my heart, and I need to change the thermometer. I need to change my mouth in this area, my mouth. Boy, I tell you, I just don't feel good. I don't feel good all the time. I just don't know if I'll ever feel good. Before long, your thermometer is setting the tone of what you're living in. I don't feel good. There's so much to be said here. But I, I just had to narrow it down. And if you've got your Bibles, you want to follow along, I, I want to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Israelites going and, and, and headed towards the promised land is an example of the consequence of murmuring and complaining. Who got in, who didn't? It was good seed in their life when they were acknowledging God and heading towards him and giving him praise. It was bad seed for their life when they were murmuring and complaining. The more they murmured and complained, and that seed then came to fruition in those areas, it was not good. And I want to talk today about five things that were offensive to God, that were offensive to God. God is not condemning us. He wasn't condemning, he wasn't condemning his people. What he's saying is, hey, there is a time of things to come, and right now, those things that you're wanting to come and get miserable in are not here yet. But hold on, hold on while you're waiting for those things, wait for them in victory, don't wait for them in unbelief. We can overcome, and we need correction at times so we can overcome. we're overcomers, the Bible says. Jesus bore the penalty. However, we slip back into this every once in a while. And and God has revealed his attitude towards murmuring and complaining in scripture. Now, I'm not saying God's going to punish you, but he is saying, hey, don't do these things. And in the Old Testament, he gave moral law I'm not getting into ceremonial law. I'm not getting into society law. I'm getting into moral law. And moral law has not changed. So everybody's like, well, I can't believe you're using the Old Testament to use these, to, to say about these and talk about these truths. Here's what you've got to know we've got to look at the Old Testament. And what God did, because the Old Testament tells the story of what then is explained in the New Testament. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, New Testament, that is revealing a truth from the Old Testament in numbers and some of what we're talking about here, that God was saying, hey, four of the five things that are at the top of my list of frustrations, have to do with murmuring and complaining. And we need to know what they are. The news, the weather, the job, the school, the economy, our nation, top numbers of us complaining, because we're complainers. Well, come on, we're in a generation of complainers. Complain every time we turn a corner. That's what's produced entitlement. Because if we complain enough, then we get the candy bar at the checkout. First Corinthians chapter 10, i got to move on. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well-pleased For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They had God taking care of them, and they didn't like what was happening. God was not pleased with their ungrateful attitude. That was the heart of God. He wasn't pleased with their ungrateful attitude. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. Now these things became our examples. Okay, this is to the New Testament church to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So number one is lust. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. Number two, be idolaters. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit idolatry or sexual immorality. Number three. And some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, number four, tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain or murmur and complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going through all five of these in detail, but you've got to know lust, wanting something that is not of God, it's not pure, it's impure, it messes the river up, it's not of God, it's lustful, it's wanting something that's carnal, that satisfies flesh only, not soul and spirit, just lust. Flesh, number two, idolaters, worshiping something other than God, complaining about their food, wanting to go back from what God had delivered them from. But there's always a temptation to say and think, God, I'm really wanting to be where I'm not yet. Have you ever been on vacation? Your kids say, Mom, Dad, are we almost there? Anybody remember the Smurfs? One of my favorite things. Baba Smurf, are we almost there? Are we almost there? Yes, we're almost there. Yes, we're almost there. And they go, no, we're not almost there. No, you're ready to pull You just can handle so much if you're almost there. Are we almost there? We just pulled out of the drive, son. But, you know, that's not much different with kids than it is us with God. Come on, God, are we almost there? Are we almost there? Please, God, I've just been waiting so long for this, and we're almost there. And whatever that mountain is, and you've been praying, we're we almost there, God. Are we almost. And he's like, shh. Because before long, that almost there mindset becomes grumbling and complaining. Sexual immorality, 23,000 people died. That's in Numbers 25. Number four, tempting Christ. Number five, murmuring and complaining. Okay, here's what you got to know. When you're in lust, after carnal things, you're murmuring and complaining that you're not getting what you thought you wanted, so you settle for something that's not of God. See, all of these things are big deals. Number two, the, the idolatry is worshiping something other than God. How many times do we satisfy our own flesh or satisfy our own wants or desires with something of the world instead of something of God? We, it's, it's idolatry. It's worshiping an idol. It's putting something ahead of God in your life. And that happens, and what you're really doing is murmuring and complaining that you didn't get what you should have got. Sexual immorality. How many people are thinking they're born wrong all the time? I mean, we see it on a daily basis. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that right now we have the most sexually perverse generation that I've seen in my life or that I've even studied. Now, I look at this and I go, this is ridiculous how we're operating. But if you do read scripture, you can find out that they had a lot of that in different eras. Here, I gotta talk about this. All five of these, We have watched a culture start embracing what God condemned. That's where we're at. When you're dealing with something that's really frustrating, you can know that that's not God's plan. That's the enemy having access, and he's having access because he murmured and complained. Here's why they didn't enter the promised land. We've got to go to Numbers 14. Y'all still with me? Numbers 14, verse 26. That wasn't enough. Are y'all still with me? No. Okay, here we go. Numbers 14, verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, "'How long shall I bear with this evil congregation "'who complain against me? "'I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. "'Say to them, as I live, says the Lord,' Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. They didn't get to enter the promised land because they were murmuring and complaining. 20 years and older. Didn't get to. Well, what about the ones that were 19 and under that murmured and complained? They got some grace given to them, and they got to go in. And I look at that, and I go, how can it be applied, God, to the church? Well, you've got, in the church, you've got lambs and sheep. And see, there are some people that are mature enough that they ought be complaining and murmuring. But they're just not willing to go in, and they're not willing to mature But there are some that are, they just got saved, they're zealous, they're excited, but they still get into this murmuring and complaining. Well, they get get to still go in. They get drug in, if you will, just because of their immaturity. I don't want to take a chance on getting drug in because of immaturity. I want to make sure I hear what was going on and not place myself in a position of not being able to get the promises of God and dying before it's there. Now, I'm not talking a physical death. I'm talking about just my murmuring and complaining Remove me from the promised land. That's what was happening right here. Their murmuring and complaining removed them from what God had in store for them. He delivered them, and they murmured and complained their way out of what God had for them. Here's what you got to hear. It is in life we get this mindset and we're no different than they were then. We start thinking, oh man, we need to not have rain today when you got a farmer over here praying for rain. And so what we do is, is we got all these areas of life, well, I wouldn't have the temperature what it is today, it's too cold, it's too hot I wouldn't be treated like that. If I, if, I, if I was God, I'd have him treat me better than that. I, I, if I was God, I, I'd put a bigger paycheck in my pocket. If I was, if I was, and we start, if I was God, here's what I would do. If I was God, I wouldn't send quail. If I was God, I wouldn't produce manna for him. I'd have given me some of the meat that we had when we were back in Egypt. I'd have done it different. See, they had this attitude, if I was God, don't think for a second that that's not what we do. And When we're murmuring and complaining, what we're really doing is saying, if I were God, I'd do it different, and you're slamming God. Well, no one ever looks at murmuring and complaining like that, but when you start murmuring and complaining as a child of God, what you're doing is putting down who gave you the promise of where you were headed. Your kids start putting you down, and you're the one that's going to deliver them from whatever situation they're in, and they're throwing you under the bus. Wait a second, kids. Don't be putting mom and dad. You don't even eat without them. Come on, you have a roof over your head because of mom and dad. You better be careful about ever putting your mom and daddy down. See, there's there's an honoring that the Bible says you have for your mom. Okay, what about when that's not taught to your children, then how do we teach that about God? It has to be a revelation. And we get to a place where, wait a minute here. Thank you, Father God, for all your provisions. And I thank you that I didn't have anything to eat and then manna came and I had everything I was in need of. But we're going to complain about not having the food we had when we were in bondage. And what we're doing every time we start murmuring and complaining is we're spitting in the face of God. The one who is trying to deliver you who's trying to get you to a place and you're like, well, I didn't see it that way. Well, that's why I'm telling you about it because God has really revealed to my heart every time I start murmuring and complaining, I'm really putting God down. And I've done it a lot when it comes to food. God, I, 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 if I made this food, I wouldn't have put calories in it. It tastes too good. It just shouldn't have calories. See, it can be something just as little as that. We're complaining about everything in life. Complain, complain, complain if I was God, I'd do it different. Don't, don't say that. Well, I didn't say that. When you're murmuring and complaining, that's exactly what you just said. That's just word for word what you just said. Come on, those 20 years and older died without entering the promise because of murmuring and complaining. We've got to get to a place of maturity that we are not hoping we're going to get in while we're still murmuring and complaining. We need to change that attitude. Church, church, we don't want to murmur and complain our way out of the promises of God. God, thank you for meeting every one of my needs. God, thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. God, thank you that you are our peace, supernatural peace in the middle of this storm. See, God, thank you that I'm connected to the hero who provides. And that's the voice of faith coming out, which produces purity in your flow. We enter our promised land if we believe that we're entering the promised land. That is faith. We need faith to get us where we are going. We've got to have a voice of faith. Don't remove, come on, don't remove yourself from what God has promised here on earth for his kingdom, which we are a part of. We're a part of this. So I want to ask you today, and, and, and I'm, I'm just about done because I, I think I've got my point across. It wasn't that hard. If you missed it, you didn't hear anything. You got to quit murmuring and complaining. Because all you're doing is sharing that you have a voice of unbelief and you have left God out of it. In fact, you've totally just turned your heart against him and you open yourself up to the attacks of the enemy, the one who's like a roaring lion. And here's what you know, he starts looking a whole lot more like a roaring lion when you're in unbelief. i want to ask you a question. Now, you ask yourself this question. How are you going to respond to your life? How are you going to respond to what's going on in your life? Or let me ask you this. How are you going to respond to who's going on in your life? Who is people? What do you say about people? Are you murmuring and complaining about people? Are you murmuring and complaining about your job? Are you murmuring and complaining about your school? Are you murmuring and complaining about your church? Are you murmuring and complaining about your family? Are you murmuring and complaining that you ain't got no money? Are you murmuring and complaining that they're getting ready to play Christmas music all the time? I'm just telling you. We are the best at it but we don't realize what we're doing. We're putting ourselves, every time we started on a path to destruction, I don't want God's people destroyed. We've got to get a heart of thanksgiving. Come on, this week, thanksgiving. That's why this message was today. Let's not have this heart of murmuring and complaining. I want to end with 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. It says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation. Okay, let me stop there. No temptation. I'm talking about the temptation of murmuring and complaining. Because we all are tempted at times. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's what you got to know: this verse has been misinterpreted. I've heard preachers misinterpret it my whole life. You've heard people say God's not going to put more on you than you can bear. God doesn't put things on you. Sorry, that was very approachable. God doesn't put things on. If that worked a little bit, God doesn't do that. And so when you hear someone say, God's not going to put more on, just stop them right there. Well, God doesn't put things on his people. God's not the one tempting you to do wrong. See, God doesn't do any of that. God is faithful and he won't allow you more temptation than what you can handle because he makes the way of escape. God isn't putting anything on you. God is not guilty in your trial of what you're facing in life. He's not the one guilty. He is the one faithful. And you need to see him as that in your situation and start seeking him through your faith because he's going to be faithful through your faith. And so in a heart of thankfulness, faithfulness, praise and worship you start seeing that voice of faith coming out and it gets you corrected back on path and you're not going to perish like all those 20 and above did when they murmured and complained and the perishing is not receiving the promise come on there's a promise for all of you let's access the promise instead of murmuring and complaining and giving the voice to the mountain God is not guilty. God is faithful. So quit murmuring and complaining because every time you murmur and complain, you're placing him as the guilty one in your life. Like it's his fault. It's not his fault. When you're tempted to complain this week, let the voice of faith come out. Not complaining. Father, thank you for my school and that my kids are there. And they're going to make a difference because they live according to the kingdom. They're blessed. I know what you said in Psalm. that They're going to take over the gates of the enemy. Not just in their life, but mine. See, I, I start speaking faith into my kids. I start speaking faith in the lives of people that I'm doing life with. I, I want you to know we don't place enemies in our life when we're operating in faith but that doesn't mean that you don't have enemies that place themselves against you. So when you start trying to operate, this is a little warning here, and you start trying to operate in faith and be positive, more than positive, praise and thankful, and start honoring God in your life, you can watch how the attacks will start coming. Oh, you just, yeah, everything goes good for you, Everything's good in your life. It can't be that good. I find myself saying that for people who life's going pretty good for them. Really, life can't be that good for them. Really? The promises of God are yes and amen. If someone's living according to the promises of God, it can be that good. Life can be that good for you. But it all is a result of your thermometer and that's your mouth. Can we help each other in kindness and love? you got to be real careful if you're married because this could cause a lot of damage. Someone starts murmuring and complaining about someone and could we say, yeah, but I'm really thankful that they are, or could we, turn? what are we thankful for them about? Come on, we've got to work on this because it's too easy in our world to drift in and we didn't mean to, it's just a temptation. But the Bible says that you can overcome that temptation and you can do it because we have a faithful God who wants it for us. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.